Press, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jen Zerati. I am Winnipeg Free Press multimedia producer Erin Labar. And this is uh, our weekly podcast. And uh, we want to thank everyone who's been listening to us so far. It's, this is our third week, so that's very exciting. Um, on the show today, we are going to taste test that abomination that is the Starbucks <laughs> unicorn wrap, which we will point out that neither of us have actually... No tasted so that will be a live on the pod situation um we're also going to talk about the uh budget tuition rebate tax cut we're going to talk about pop-ups we're going to talk about spring fashion yeah it's an action-packed show so that's what's coming up on bury the lead so jen it is almost the end of april Mm-hmm. Weather's getting slightly warmer. Mm-hmm. I hear you've started your spring cleaning efforts. Well, I sort of. Um, I I'm one of those people that cleans to relax. Like that is the me too. the Monica Geller in me and what we're. <laughs> I always feel like I feel like people need to know that this podcast is recorded on my basement couch and that my dog often makes <laughs> audio cameos. Yeah, <laughs> by like digging and sneezing. Just stop, stop it. But uh. <laughs> So yeah, so I clean to relax. That is, and we are bonded by that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love spring cleaning. I find it, it's a very, like, spring is my new year, I think, because my birthday is also in spring, but I also, I really respond to that whole, this is a time of renewal and beginnings and all, I hear that, all that jazz. So I spring cleaned and like getting into like organizing the vanity in my bathroom and organizing the pantry car- like I'm really getting into it so it feels good you're going deep on spring cleaning mm-hmm. but I feel like it's uh extra spring cleaning around here because my husband's parents are moving out of his childhood home which means we have boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of his childhood toys so that's been kind of I've been trying to take a more hands-off approach with that and just let him sort through the boxes. What kind of toys are we talking There's about so here? so many boxes. Lots of Star Wars. Like, uh-huh. so much Star Wars. So many. It's just, like, nerd city down here at all times. <laughs> but I feel like it's an own your growth moment because when my husband, who was my boyfriend, moved in with me when I was living in my apartment, he just has a lot of stuff because he saves a lot of things. And... When I saw my apartment with all his boxes in it, I burst into tears. So I've been dealing with this a lot more um, maturely and healthily. So I feel like it's also an own your growth moment in the spirit of spring. So well, there you go. That's been my week. How was your week? Um, good. There was Easter on the weekend, which is always a very busy time because mm-hmm. I'm like a semi-practicing Catholic. So mm-hmm. a lot of church, a lot of food, the huge. And then I also started training my cat how to sit and lie down. Teaching a cat new tricks. Well, my cat is famous in my circle for being insane. Your cat punches people. It does. He, he does punch people and he does occasionally bite people. Um, but he's also very smart and acts a lot like a dog. So I thought maybe I could try to train him by using, you know, treat training. And the other day, I have a witness. My boyfriend was there. I said, Bernie, sit. And he sat without a treat. <gasps> what? And then two hours later, he was being annoying. And I was like, Bernie, lay down. And then he laid down. Wow. I am willing to say that it could have been a coincidence. But in my heart of hearts, I feel like he really understood me. So That you have trained this cat. Well, started anyway. Started to train this cat. That's. I don't know if there's been any other research about... I don't know. Cats Again, being like probably a coincidence, but I don't uh, know because usually they're so indifferent. 
You know, Bernie is anything but indifferent. He needs to know what is going on at all times. If you're in the bathroom, if you're in the bedroom, in the kitchen, he's got to know what's going on. Is he, but he's not like a pleaser. No, no. Yeah. No. See, Samson's a pleaser because he's a dog. So that's, he's no. like, oh, doing tricks. I don't know what I the opposite of a pleaser would be, but that's Bernie. So I can smell this Frappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> so we have the unicorn Frappuccino. I purchased this Frappuccino on my way to Jen's house she today. She did. We thought it would be good to try it for journalism. Only a slight eye roll from the barista when I bought it. So if you haven't heard about this thing, it's the unicorn Frappuccino. It looks like a Lisa Frank nightmare. It's like bright pink and blue. It's like cotton candy ice cream. That's what it looks like. Okay. So here's the description from the website. It's here for a few days only, so, you know, rush out to get it. <laughs> it doesn't say that. What it does say is that it's a flavor-changing, color-changing, totally not made-up unicorn frappuccino. Magical flavors start off sweet and fruity, transforming to pleasantly sour. But what does it taste like, And though? then you're supposed to swirl it to reveal a color-changing spectacle of pink and purple. A spectacle. If you can't hear Jen is swirling it right now. We have, we have not tried this. Here, we'll fully it up right now. <laughs> That is not a spectacle. That looks like nothing. That it just dissolved the whipped cream. It also it was, which the whipped cream was sparkly, which was nice. Also, I will say that this is the smallest size. It was five dollars and sixty seven cents, and I think there's something like what four hundred calories in it. Yeah, four hundred and ten calories, and yeah, I don't remember how many grams of sugar, but like a million grams of sugar. Yeah, imagine a million. So it looks, it looks like it's made purely out of sugar. So let's taste this. Yeah, you Cause, go first. Because you'll notice from that description, there's actually no like. Yeah. Kay. So it's pink and it's got like a blue sort of ribbon of something in it that's supposed to be tangy. Oh my God. That's like a shot to the molars. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it, ta- it tastes like Skittles. Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a really tart. It's That's an aggressive no, Frappuccino. My, my teeth are. <laughs> it's very it's really aggressive it's making my mouth but now it's sour oh my god i need to have more (laughs) like you know that feeling that you're you get when your cheeks are like really tingly because it's like so much sugar yeah that's what i have right now and literally like never ending saliva yeah it um Mm. but i don't hate it I don't hate it either. I don't think I'd be able to drink that whole thing on my own. No way. I don't like. Yeah. But see, now the blue stuff's gone to the bottom and I want to taste the blue stuff. (laughs) So Starbucks baristas apparently hate this beverage. Mm -hmm. BuzzFeed compiled a list. They have like stained hands. They're talking about how, yeah, it's, yeah, it's basically like you're drinking Mm -hmm. toxic unicorn waste. Well, we're going to keep drinking this as we continue to do we the are. pod. So we'll see how that affects our, our overall podcast. But yeah, that's... Uh, I, I mean, I'd say try it. I Yeah. It's I mean, only around for five days. Why not? Why why not? Why but not? It, there aren't it, enough pink foods, right? It's true. But it really is a punch to the molars. Okay. So our first uh, topic today, Jen, is the uh, tuition rebate... Mm-hmm. It's about a, you know it's a little old news by now, but I've had a week to like process marinate. Yeah, because so just to recap on the the news end of things, um, this is one of the 
the things that was announced in the budget. So the tuition rebate, I didn't get the chance to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was introduced by the NDP government in 2007. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the idea was is that it would attract Manitobans to stay mm-hmm. and start their careers post degree mm-hmm. in the province. And they paid out it's like 58 million a year in tuition mm-hmm. rebates. So mm-hmm. quite a lot of people took advantage took advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Finance Minister Cameron Friesen from the current government said that there was no evidence to support that it was working. Like achieving its goals so, to keep people in Manitoba. So. That's, that's <laughs> take it away. <laughs> it's really hard to talk about this serious subject with the fluorescent pink frappuccino in my, my hand. My mouth is making <laughs> is overproducing saliva right now. <laughs> but um, I, I will I will uh, admit my bias right now that I take advantage of the rebate in a big way. Um, I have an incredible amount of student debt from my graduate degree. Because you went to school in America. Of, yeah, you went you went to NYU. NYU. Um, and I went there because they had the specific program that I wanted, which was magazine journalism. Mm-hmm. So my options were very limited for where I could go. And I happened to get accepted. So I went. And um, so the maximum that you can get back over 10 years is $25,000, which is what my my cap was. Not an insignificant amount of money. Correct. So over 10 years, so you get about $2,500 back every tax return. And I had claimed for, I think, about three years. Mm-hmm. So I still had about... Uh, I want to say around eighteen thousand dollars worth of tax credit coming my way, which is now gone, which is now really you have zero dollars. Now I have away. zero dollars, and I mean, I I can understand the argument that people say, you know, uh, not we're the only province that gets this credit. Like you shouldn't have been relying on it in the first place. If you can't afford to pay for your degree, then you shouldn't go to university. And I mean, yes, when I went to school, of course, I fully understood that this was my burden to bear and all that stuff. But having that extra money once a year was so incredibly helpful. And I don't think people realize how much like $2,500 really can help. And I don't think that there's any like where's the failing in relying on something that is offered to you right you know so and then and then also it it stings to have it and then to have it taken away is really really frustrating and then for them to say that uh to to debate the efficacy of the program is like who did they who did they talk to who did they interview because everyone i know who takes advantage of this credit says that it was a huge um, incentive to stay in the province, myself included. Like if if I did not have this credit, there's a pretty good chance that I wouldn't be living in Manitoba right now. Yeah, like I, it's so, it seems like it's such an obvious thing that it would be a good thing and worth keeping around. So I was honestly really, even though I have no dog in this race, mm-hmm. um, I was really surprised that it was cut and I was surprised and not surprised um just yeah. because I know like everything leading up to this budget like it was one that was very focused on more cutting than right than not but it seems counterintuitive to me though to cut funding and cut support for the generation of people that are going to be the ones buying houses are going to be the ones having mm-hmm. families are going to be the ones opening businesses the ones that you want to stay right the, the ones that you should support because they are going to be supporting your economy in return so if you're cutting all this money that means i don't have the extra thousand dollars to put away to put towards a house i don't have the extra money to pay off my loans faster you know it's negative a negative impact in the long run it just was a move with very little foresight i feel yeah 
Well, it's a uh, yeah. It's uh, it's tough. It's a bummer. Is it's what a it bummer. Is. It's a bummer. Is it what is a it bummer. is. Um, speaking of staying in Manitoba, growing businesses and mm-hmm. young people, um, this is something that I've and I've written about um, millennials and business quite a few times, and I did a feature about local businesses and Instagram. And mm-hmm. I was kind of revisiting that feature because the Lucky Girl pop up is happening this weekend, so that's happening um, April twenty second and twenty third at three hundred Ross Avenue this time. Mm-hmm. Have you been to a Lucky Girl pop up? I have because a friend of mine, uh, her business is often involved in that. So yeah, so it's they're hugely popular as, and we mentioned on the last episode of Bury the Lead how Winnipeg is kind of a pop up. Oh, they love a, a good pop-up. Pop up. Yeah, we really love a good pop-up. So at the Lucky Girl pop-ups, you have to like like throw in elbows practically. To get in oh, there. yeah. But, but there's so many young people with businesses that are making and doing cool things in this town. Mm-hmm. And you really, it's cool to just see them all come together in one in one place. I find it very inspiring that so many people are willing to take that kind of risk at, at our age to start their own company and like make not that much money and just do what makes them happy, you know? Totally. Because they're most, for most of them, uh, not all, but for a lot of them, they're side hustles. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just, you know, I think of a friend of mine who does happy land prints shop who was in, which I love and was featured in paper. David Sanderson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That was great. A Saturday feature about, um, Kristen and she has a day job, but she just loves both Winnipeg and, graphic design and kind of brought those two things together and i can't believe we're still drinking that frappuccino <laughs> <laughs> just trying to subtly take a swig um but yeah so it's it's kind of it's cool to see all these people who i scroll through on instagram mm-hmm. and see them all together in one room and yeah you're right it's totally inspiring but it's i don't know if anyone can solve the mystery of why winnipeg and pop-ups Someone look into that and get back to us. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone do a study. Where's yeah, Mary Agnes? Do. She can do some sort of <laughs> poll question. Um, yeah. Someone do a deep dive on pop-ups in Winnipeg because it seems like it is like, I mean, with the pop-up restaurant on the river, Raw mm-hmm. Almond, that we are now world renowned for, mm-hmm. pop-up dinners, like they're... And they have so many. There's not just Lucky mm-hmm. Girl. There's like that Wild... Is it Wild Rose that does the pop-up in Old Market Square? I'm sorry if I got the name wrong. But, but uh, yeah, it's very popular as well. So it's, uh, yeah, so you can check that out on uh, this weekend. I'll be there on Saturday. Um, and yeah, it's also a good opportunity because it's also Earth Day on Saturday, right? To shop local. Is it? it is. Um, so it's, I, I remember when I was younger and trying to find cool local things. Mm-hmm. And it was harder to do because it was kind of pre-internet. Because I'm, I'm, I'm an elder millennial. Um <laughs> It was pre-internet and there was, you were kind of, it was either boutiques or bust, right? Like those yes. were your only options and they were kind of, you know, it was a little bit harder. And now like I love how easy it is to support local in many ways. Because there's so many amazing, good quality products. Like this year for Christmas, I did only shopping local. I think maybe, that's a good idea. Maybe one gift I bought was not purchased from a local store or mm. maker. And it was so easy and so a lot less inexpensive than I had anticipated yeah for sure I, I think there's like this weird st- this weird assumption that everything made locally is going to be really really expensive mm-hmm. but uh it was relatively reasonable so speaking of shopping mm-hmm. we need to talk about some things that are happening in the fashion world 
Whatever could you be talking about, Jen? I'm talking about those damn shirts. <laughs> There's two kinds. There's two strains of a similar virus. There's the cold shoulder shirt, which just has the the like, cutouts, the cutouts, the reverse the shoulder pads. I like to call them. <laughs> like as though shoulder pads had been ripped clean from your shirt. There's that, and then what's called the like those off the shoulder tops, which I just learned are actually called like Bordeaux tops, like Bridget. Oh, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I hate them all. Like why? And they're everywhere. Every it's very in this season everywhere. to have chilly shoulders. And I just, I just, there's so many. I I'm left with so many questions. One, I'm, how do you wear a bra? Two, how do you wear a jacket? <sighs> jacket, I think, would look very weird. You a bra, can't. You could wear a strapless bra, which means, but you, like you're going to be really uncomfortable the whole day. Well, and realistically, then if you can't wear a jacket over top, you can wear the shirt for exactly two months in Winnipeg. It's true. Maybe three. I have less of an issue with the one that's fully off the shoulder because I think it can be quite flattering in terms of like the neckline. But the one with the shoulder cutouts, those can just get out of here. They're just... And there's also like... And part of this trend is those really deconstructed button-down shirts oh, that have God. like the mismatched... Like the buttons don't match up to the holes. And no matter how much cold, that... Like there's too much No happening. matter how much that shirt costs, I'm going to think that it's like just broke. It's a broken shirt. Yeah. It's, it's a broken shirt that you found on the street to me. This trend, like, it's just, it seems so persistent. Like, it's everywhere. It will cycle through. Next year, nobody will be wearing cold shoulders. I don't know. I feel like the sheer blouse of 2011 also hung on for a very long <laughs> You know time. what would be great, though? If some other company um, invented some sort of, like, patch that fit in to right where the cold shoulder <laughs> cutout is that's, like, bedazzled or bejeweled. You and you change could, them up. You could customize your cold shoulder. And then if your shoulders are actually cold, you could put the patch on. See, at least that has not been pending, either. everybody. <laughs> Indeed. That's your next. That's my next big money maker to your, make up for my tuition cut. Your victory lap career. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, relatedly, because it's kind of the same thing in that it makes no sense to me are these (laughs) (laughs) these they're not mules now i know how you feel oh don't get me started on mules man um i don't like them because i don't like them because they're ugly but i also don't like them because i I have a hard time walking in them Mm -hmm. but there are these loafers that have collapsible backs which just means it looks like you're stepping on the backs of your shoes, like you were told not to like do. Like you purchased them and they were already collapsed, or that you you can you wear break them away. Okay, you can wear them, and like all clothes that claim to be reversible, they're usually bad. So yeah, you can either wear them like a normal loafer, mm-hmm. or you can step on the backs mm-hmm. so that they become a mule. I mm, <laughs> no. Like, what if you just want to buy a pair of shoes? It's true. And a shirt with shoulders. I'm still not caught up on that wool socks with um, Birkenstocks thing. All yeah, the all the young yeah. cool kids were doing that last summer. And I was like, what? what? Aren't your feet sweating? It's July. Especially as Birkenstocks came back. Already that's hard, right? Like that. I really me, don't have a beef with Birkenstocks. I like them. I have pleasant associations with them because my grandma lived in them and but they to me are very much like a gardening shoe. <laughs> like a crock. <laughs> right. Like like slightly better than a crock, which which my friend once wore to a wedding because she was pregnant and her feet didn't fit any other shoes. Sorry, Emily. <laughs> That's a good excuse though. Otherwise Yeah. Otherwise it's not okay. Crocs. But yeah, the Birkenstock with socks is 
it's tricky to pull so off. So Jen and I will stick to our normal flats and sneakers. We will. And the rest of you cool kids can, you can do whatever makes your you shoes. happy, but we may laugh at you when you're not looking. So as per usual, our last segment is what we're reading, watching, and listening to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this year, Jen, I am a Polaris juror. You are. So it's my first year. I know you've done it before for many years, right? Yes. I can't remember what year I started being a Polaris Music Prize juror. I think it was like 2007 or 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did the grand jury in 2015. Right. Um, because that was my last year as I kind of was doing less and less of the music writing thing right. and doing more of the columnist thing. Um, it kind of just seemed like it was time to to say goodbye to the Polaris jury. But how are yeah. you finding it so far? It is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Because I'm trying to be as um, thorough as I can. Because you're in charge of like what this prize is is you're naming the oh, best Canadian album right and they get of fifty the grand and they get fifty grand and which it's, is huge and unlike the Junos there's no consideration for like commercial success right so it's based on purely on artistic merit which right. means kind of anyone can Literally, win this thing right the only, yeah. the only uh, sort of regulation is that it has to be at least five songs or at least twenty minutes so even some EPs are are uh, eligible. So and so basically it is and like I don't know how many jurors there are but I think it's upward of 170 across the country and everyone is in a Google forum and they suggest albums and then the albums get uploaded and they argue and, and they, they argue and all this stuff but I'm trying to listen to every single album that has been suggested just to be fair because I've been a pretty harsh critic of Polaris in the past um their lack of Manitoba artists on the long list and short list and and why it's not mandatory for jurors to listen to every album. So I'm kind of trying to be like, no, you can do it. Like, it's possible. I'll take that, everybody. But um, so I'm about halfway through. I've listened to probably 50 or 60 of the albums suggested so far. So And that's half. So i got a long way to go. We don't start voting, I think, until the end of May. So I have a few weeks left to power through. I can't say what I'm listening to because I think that breaks the rules. Or what you're voting for. Or what I'm voting for. But I can say that I've listened to some albums that of people that I've never heard of that are really great. And I'm super glad that they were um, suggested. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do what I'm reading. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I finally finished the Zadie Smith book Woo-hoo! I was reading forever. So I'm trying to resurrect the read a book a week for 2017 challenge. Okay. Um, this week I'm reading a book called Outsiders Still, Why Women Journalists Love and Leave Their Newspaper Careers. And it was written by Vivian Smith and mm-hmm. it came out, I, th- I think a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few of our colleagues are interviewed. Oh, in who's the, in it? Yeah. Uh, in the book. So Alexandra Paul. Oh, cool. Uh, former Free Press reporter, Mary Agnes Welch. Mm-hmm. Melissa Martin's in there too. Former mm-hmm. um, editor, Margot Goodhand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of looks at people's careers through at different stages. So beginners, mid careers and, and uh, people who have been in the industry for a long time mm-hmm. and kind of trying to figure out why women are still really underrepresented in newsrooms mm-hmm. and why many of them, leave their job so okay. i'm uh, halfway through it um and yeah it's uh, i would say that it's i'd say it's worth a read even if you're not necessarily um like a journalist like i think if you're at all interested in media and how it works um it's also just nice too because i think with i mean it's a little different for me because i'm a columnist so i sometimes insert myself in my pieces and obviously in the podcast i do too um but i think we don't often hear 
lived experiences mm-hmm. from reporters because you don't really insert yourself in the story when you're a reporter, right? It's right. just you're telling other people's stories. So it's actually um, quite interesting to learn things about reporters whose bylines I read all the time. And in some cases, even women I work with. Right. I might have to borrow that book. I will happily lend it to you. Should we do a frap update? We should do a frap update. So we're still drinking. This we're still drinking this frap. We're a little bit more than halfway, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I drink it, the more I like it. And that concerns me a little bit. I will confirm that statement since she is fully commandeering this frappuccino. <laughs> but uh, it's honestly, I was expecting to hate it and I don't hate it. I don't. Which but makes I me feel still ashamed. Like, I still cannot um, believe how much saliva there is in my mouth from this sweetness and sugariness. It, like yeah. I'm having a hard time talking. So yeah, I, I would give it a... I give it a solid B. Yeah, three stars. Three stars out of a possible five. Oh, yeah, I should have done stars. Three stars for sure. Three stars. Okay. Three stars. Uh, to wrap up, what are you working on this week? What am I working on this week? Oh, I'm starting um, a feature on wedding season stuff. Fun. So I'm trying to reach out to a bunch of people who work behind the scenes, like florists, cake makers, wedding dress people, photographers, wedding planners, to kind of talk about trends, wedding trends, and things from that they hope never become trends again, mm-hmm. and sort of advice to couples who are in mid-planning, because yeah. it is that time of year, so... Yeah, uh, what are you working on? Tre- trend fatigue, I could see being oh, a yeah. problem. I, I, you know, have been through the process of planning a wedding not that long ago, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you will learn why <laughs> it's an eye-opening experience. Um, I am working on. So there was a app that was that came out um, earlier this month that it's kind of positioning itself as like a tinder for friends so which interests me and mm-hmm. i mean this this particular app is kind of flawed because you can only create friend groups with people that are the same gender as you which is oh you can make friends that are of other genders yeah um but it got me thinking about how people make friends after a certain age and mm-hmm. and also working on the lowest club feature mm-hmm. made me think of that too. Just, you know, when you're in school or if you're at work, like you're, if you're in these sort of ecosystems where making friends is a little bit more natural, but what happens when you're not mm-hmm. in those places anymore? How do you make friends as, a, as adults and how can apps potentially help that? So that's something that I'm hoping to look into for for a story at some point yeah and if you want to see any of our other stories that we've already done you can go to www.winnipegfreepress.com as well you can always email us if there's things that you want us to talk about on the podcast or things that you think we should be writing about um you can email us i'm jen.zerati at freepress.mb.ca you can also follow me on twitter at jenzerati and i am Aaron.labar at freepress.mb.ca. I almost forgot my own name there for a second. <laughs> it's and the frappuccino. <laughs> the sugar's gone right to my veins. Um, and you can also uh, find me on Twitter at, at Naya Rabble, which is just my name backwards. And that's been Braids Lead. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.